Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Hi, I'm Heather Renee May, and this is Flipping Dreams Podcast. One, two, three, four. Flipping Dreamers. This week, I'm taking you on a little trip with me. We're going to go to Denver, Colorado, to the Lion's Lair. What is the Lion's Lair? The Lion's Lair, some would say, is the CBGB of Denver. Um, It's a dive bar off Colfax Avenue that uh, some say, if you don't know Colfax, Colfax it's kind of a strip that runs, kind of dissects Denver um, through Capitol Hill. And it uh, is where Jack Kerouac, um, when he was riding on the road, used to hang. But it's got a lot of different uh, places there. There's Pete's Kitchen, uh, where you can get, back in the day, you could get the most satisfying two-egg breakfast with a big pile of hash browns and toast for $2.95. Um, kitty corner from that, uh, was an IHOP where I actually worked graveyard shifts as a waitress when I first moved to Denver years ago. And, um, and just kind of up the block, there's a tattoo parlor where I got my first tattoo when I was 18. And then there's the lion's there. And, uh, I'm going to read a little bit from an article that I found at, on Duclarion online by Tori, Tony Elton, excuse me. Nestled between Walgreens and EOD Tattoo on Colfax Avenue is the seeming hole-in-the-wall joint Lion's Lair. With its faded blue brick walls, retro-thick glass windows, and sticker-speckled exterior, it may appear to be another rundown dive bar in Denver. This is far from the case. The pandemic nearly forced the one-of-a-kind bar out of business, and it would have, and it would have if not for the community that saved it. Here's what you need to know about this Denver landmark. Long before the club was bought out by its namesake, John Lyons, the location possessed a variety of identities. The venue has a long history dating back to the 1920s. 
founder of the Colfax Museum and local musician Johnny Barber, noted that the building's earliest record is from 1926. The land that the lair is on, like much of Colfax, was made up of Victorian mansions, and Ed Chase, the gambling kingpin of Denver, owned one such property. During its earlier years, the building was used for businesses ranging from an auto shop to a women's clothing store. It was even once a bar named the Skull Inn, about a decade before becoming the Lion's Lair. The location operated as a jazz bar known as the Playboy Lounge in the 1950s. In 1967, the Playboy Club was started by Hugh Hefner at the Warwick Hotel in Denver. When plans for the new club were being made, this building was called the Playboy Lounge, so Playboy paid the owner $5,000 to change the name, Barber explained. The name was changed to the Playroom and then the Aladdin Lounge. In 1972, it became the Lion's Lair after new owner John Lyons. In 1974, it became the Lion's Lair known today. What I really like is that it's the kind of place where you could experiment. They expected you to bring your original music, and it's been a home to all kinds of famous underground figures like John Doe from X, Barber said. Famous musicians such as Jonathan Richman, Jella Biafra, and Mike Watt have also made appearances on the Lion's Lair stage. Barber called the club the CBGBs of Denver. It, as it has been home to punk rock and alternative bands, anything that's off the beaten track, experimental, or avant-garde. The Lair has also been the scene for locals to get their start. It's the oldest live entertainment venue in Denver. I don't think there is any place that has been doing live entertainment longer than the Lion's Lair, Doug Kaufman, co-owner of the Bar Expressed. And that's where my story begins, because when I was possibly 18 or 19, my band played at the Lair. Um, and I'm sitting here in my hand. I have a cassette tape of us playing that gig at the lair. I really, I, I mean, it's an old Sony UX. I mean, I, it's amazing. First of all, it is a miracle that I even have this cassette in my hands right now because I have moved all over the country and between cities and within cities hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, of times. And the fact that I've lost so many things, so much of my past in history and um, evidence of my history has, has, has gone away and all I have are memories. And as we know, memories are the worst eyewitnesses. I mean, ask any detective, <laughs> but bear with me because this memory, this cassette holds for, for me this evidence of this time in my life that was... Now, as I look back, I mean, then I realized it was important, but even more so now when I look back. And so uh, the band that I was in, Filter, um, I think it was in 2016, our, uh, the bass player, Jazz, um, reached out to me. We chatted on Facebook, and I told him I, I had this cassette, and he really wanted, he had no recordings. And so um, I digitized as many songs as I could off this cassette, I rented a, a, a recording device, transfer it to digital. And so um, I'm going to share some of this with you today because I want to take you back and have you listen. What was the lair like back in 91 and 92? Um, so this first song I'm going to play for you is uh, called reaching up. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what, what made this memory so interesting to me that just kind of popped up over time is that, um, I found out recently that, that jazz has passed away and he didn't pass. He passed away a few years ago. And unfortunately, um, we had lost touch. I had gotten divorced, changed my name, dropped my social media accounts and, you know, was busy living the life, traveling around my RV, just doing all these things. But something recently triggered my interest to find him again on Facebook. And that's when I found out, um, the sad news. And it also made me go on this rabbit hole of nostalgia, of digging back into this time of listening to these tracks. And every time I listen to him, I, it takes me right back there. I mean, um, like I said, I was maybe 18 or 19 and I was underage clearly to be in a bar singing. And so we totally just tried to pass it off and play it cool, hoping they wouldn't card me because I would have been kicked out and wouldn't have been able to play the gig. Um, the lair at the time was like entering this darkened world. It was like, you know, you go in this little kind of cave and then there's these neon bar lights and in the middle and the center, there's a circular worn wooden bar. And I mean, for any young singer of a grunge band, this was hella iconic. Um, Filter was the name of our band. Jazz, Scott McLean was on bass, Arrow on drums, Matthew or Matches was on guitar and myself on vocal. And I remember back in the, back in the day, um, we used to practice in Arrow and Matthew's apartment building on, on Capitol Hill. And the landlord ran a call service out of there. And so occasionally I would babysit their kids. And um, we played a few gigs around with some promise. We got booked one night at the gardens, which at the time used to be kind of a sought, sought after venue. Um, I remember very clearly jazz getting too drunk on tequila one night as we were doing sound check and he ended up cussing out the sound man, Raleigh Poe over the microphone and stormed off the stage to the men's room where he refused to leave. And so by the time we were able to coax him out of that bathroom, myself included, um, the entire crowd was gone except for this band box from New York city that we're going to be playing the next night. And I remember I sang my heart out that night in anger and frustration. I had Annie Lennox short hair and I was just electric, the indignation. And we got mad cred from that band, um, even though they, they were the only ones to hear our performance. Um, so I'm not sure why back in the day, why I wanted to record the gig at the lair. Um, it, we had no phones. We had no fancy recording equipment. We were all broke. Um, I think I had like just a rudimentary recorder, which you can tell from the audio, you can hear, you can hardly hear my vocals over the sound of the guitars and drums, but I'm really glad I did take that recording and I'm glad I still have it because I think it was one of our last gigs together. And one of the only remnants, the only evidence of that pathway that I forged into music. And I'm um, really, it personified everything I felt during that time in my life. That was super difficult. It was rage and grit and determination. So if you can imagine the inside of the lair was tight. So just listening to these tracks from 1991 or 92, we were loud. I mean, jazz was one of the best bass players I've ever known. He was brilliant in an afterthought sort of way, completely focused, even when you weren't sure if he was sober enough to pay attention. And Arrow was also one hell of a tight drummer. He'd keep the train on the track despite all odds always laughing and making it okay. And Matthew rounded us out with his eerie guitar riffs to blend in it all into a mesmerizing 
wall of sound.
I do remember thinking back on that night that um, we took a break, a set break, and all three of them went out during the break and got high in the alley. Um, and I've never really enjoyed pot, so I didn't partake. But I, I remember when they came back that the vibe had changed a little bit and we were slightly out of sync, which can happen uh, with bands. But it, it didn't really matter, though, because now when I listen to the tracks, I, they still ca- capture that moment in time and that night. And, you know, at the time I was terrified. I mean, think about it. I was a ballet dancer dropout from high school, from a performing arts high school, arts magnet in Dallas. I'd never sung in a band, let alone ever been considered cool. (laughs) So there I was young and full of ambition, but absolutely terrified to sing in front of others that I knew would be judging me to see if I was up to it. And I wanted so badly to be respected. So the songs are mostly all written by Jazz or Matthew. I didn't even know. I don't even remember how we connected or how I came on the scene. But there I was standing up front singing lead where Jazz used to on the songs he wrote and trying to find harmonies with him. And I won't lie. He wasn't totally happy at first. But I think that we all settled into it. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure proud of what came out of it. You know, people talk about legacy and what happens when it all just slips away. And, and that was the thought that came to my mind when I listened to these songs, thinking about jazz no longer being here and just thinking, you know, what happens if there's no record anymore? No one to lend a voice to that moment in time. And that's when I realized that I wanted to dedicate this podcast episode as a tribute to jazz and those memories from the early nineties in Denver. And also to those to really show that those, our voices do matter even when they disappear, that even when no one's there to listen, that, that these, these moments in time are really priceless. Um, these were hard years for me and the, our bandmates, many others. Um, and yet those memories are surprisingly vivid once I peel back the layers of dust and neglect. Um, you know, this was my... This recording is my way of placing my stamp to validate that time, to recognize the actors involved in this play called life. There were many casualties to be sure, addictions, obsessions, survival, loss, and the midst of it all, there's art and communion, four strangers joining together to make music of the night, music to reach other souls and to heal in the same understanding.
So to wrap this episode up, which I hope you've enjoyed, and also the Lions Lair still exists. They had um, a call to arms to try to raise funds. There's a GoFundMe page um, to, to keep it going, and apparently it is still going. I'll link posts to their social media um, where you can find out about the Lair. Go there in person. Reach out. This is this is a, a moment. I mean, this is this is history that we hope will be around, but don't ever take that for granted. And so, um, if you if you can't visit in person, definitely support in whatever way you can. And uh, to close this out, um, the last poem that Jazz wrote on his Facebook wall before he passed away, um, I'd like to read that. Here we are sprung from the same tree, yet our passions lead us to the ends of branches. In our hearts, we know how our roots are dug, yet all we know might end in ashes. Can we not be like the aspen? A single root nourishes the grove, yet all the trees are separate. Fire and famine besiege us, yet our grove endures. Next week on Flipping Dreams, I'm going to go up the road a bit in Denver and again back in time. I'm going to take you to Muddy's Java Cafe, which is one of the was one of the last greatest coffee houses in the US, I would say. So um, I'm excited to share that with you. Uh, it's going to be a little trip back in time since they've closed, but I have lots of memories and things and stories from others to share and books to share with you about that time. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed this. You can always check my backlog of interviews and stories from uh, previous episodes. Um, and please find me on uh, social media and connect and share this episode out with your other friends, music lovers, adventurers, travelers, wandering nomads. We're all out there. Hope you have a great week. You can find Flipping Dreams podcast anywhere you love to listen to podcasts. Or you can find us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. You can also find me on my social media, Facebook at Heather Renee May, on Instagram at underscore every day is May, or on my website at Heather Renee May.com. That's Heather R-E-N-E-E-M-A-Y.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.